All right, Creatures of the Night, Alex Dorio here, one half of the Talking Taker podcast, and just want to give all you out there in the Pod Street crew a quick heads up. This is a special bonus edition of the show, and this is actually a simulcast with our good buddy, a fellow loyal PSK member, Watch Along Tommy of the Watch Along Wrestling YouTube channel. He's been a guest on here many times, and this is me actually guesting on his YouTube channel, uh, and we are counting down our top top 10 non-Royal Rumble matches on the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. So undercard matches, title matches, singles matches, tag team matches, anything that wasn't the Royal Rumble on a Royal Rumble pay-per-view, that's all in the running here that we're counting down our top 10s of. If you want to see the video version of this, head over to the Watch Along Wrestling channel on YouTube. You can see the link here in the show notes. Uh, but the audio version is going to live right here on our Talking Taker podcast feed. And, uh, of course, Travis and I will be back with our February episode, uh, looking back at some more of The Undertaker's Coliseum Video Classics. And that'll be out on February 1st. Uh, but here's a little something to uh, hold you over and uh, get you in that Royal Rumble mood as Tommy and I count down the top 10 non-Rumble Royal Rumble matches of all time. WWE Hall of Famer Teddy Long, and you're about to go one-on-one -on -one with Talking Taker. Holla. I got you. <laughs> It's a long career to talk about Come take our last ride and hear about Every pay-per-view will break it down From 1990 to the final farewell Watch him as he goes There goes a hero A taker easy It's your boy Tommy on the spot for Watch Along Wrestling. Hopefully everyone is doing well and staying safe. Welcome back to your your sort of live journal here in the uh, in the world of a lifelong wrestling fan. And as always here, I'm excited to be back with my main man, Alex, uh, from the Talking Taker podcast. Today we are going to be breaking down all things Royal Rumble, but not like we did last time. Instead, today we're going to be looking at the matches beyond the Royal Rumble, the non-Rumble matches and our favorites of those as we look back at the Royal Rumble history. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. I appreciate you letting me join you here on the Watch Long Wrestling YouTube channel and doing a little bit of a simulcast here on the Talking yeah. Taker podcast channel. So uh, if you're listening to this audio wise or, or you can listen to this on the Talking Taker audio channel, you can watch it on the Watch Long Wrestling channel. So a uh, fun little experiment here. 
And yeah. Tommy, yeah, like you said, last year we did the uh, uh, top 10 Royal Rumble matches themselves. This year we're going to do the top 10 non-Rumble matches. As you know, the Royal Rumble is all about the numbers, as the video tells us every year. Um, and I did the research. Apparently, I, I may be off one or two. Maybe I counted too fast, but I, I think I got this exactly. There have been 150 non-Rumble matches on the Rumble pay-per-views throughout wow. the years. Uh, exactly 150. Uh, so we're going to see uh, if either of our lists contain the one Mountain Dew pitch black match in Royal Rumble history. We will find out. It's, uh, it's so funny. I was, uh, I was recording with... Uh... Uh, my, my my buddy Steve earlier, and we were talking about that pitch black match as well. And uh, I had a party last year where I brought everyone over and we brought Mountain Dew pitch black and everyone tried it. And I have such fond memories of that party, but I will not allow that to cloud my judgment here <laughs> coming up with our list. But that is crazy. 150 non-Rumble matches. Uh, I'm glad you were able to figure that out. And, uh, and yeah, if you've not ever uh, checked out Alex's podcast, Talking Taker, I strongly recommend you do so i'm excited to uh be doing a, a watch watch along wrestling video here in podcast form <laughs> initially when i launched the channel that was the the goal was i was going to do make it more of a, a podcast but i felt like kind of with a one-man show it's, it's a little more conducive to video format uh but this is great I'm, I'm happy to be on the on the podcast and uh you guys do a really great job uh have you you guys just did a watch along of the Royal Rumble 1999 match. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, that was our January episode. So uh, everybody go check that out on the Talking Taylor channel. We also have our YouTube channel where we do the video versions of our podcast. Uh, so yeah, Royal Rumble 99 and obviously Undertaker not in the Royal Rumble 1999, but you know, we've been doing Talking Taker so long, we got to dip into some uh, other uh, Royal Rumble matches. We always do a Royal Rumble watch along in January and he does pop up in that Rumble. Yeah. You know, famously um, abducting Midian, or excuse me, uh, Mabel and turning him into Vistra in that Royal Rumble. But, you know, that whole pay-per-view or, or that match especially is just kind of a crazy attitude era hodgepodge. Not necessarily my favorite Royal Rumble match, but it, it's a fun one to go back and watch and see all the all the crazy gimmicks. And uh, I know you, you gave some comments. Uh, you you, you uh, specified a few moments in that match that are really, really fun, even if the match itself is kind of a mess. Yeah, I think for me, just just seeing how over every single person in the ring is. You know, you got the oddities coming out. The whole crowd starts doing the whole yeah. forth. You have the brood coming out. And everyone's bobbing back and forth. And it's like, that's such a... It speaks to how over everyone was during the Attitude Era. And what a fun time it was to be a fan. And for me, I think it was the first time where I was really, like, behind the heel. Like, I was like, I want to see who's going to be the person to collect that bounty on Stone Cold. And I love, like, Shane McMahon, had, he was immediately my favorite. As soon as I saw him, I just thought he was the coolest guy. And so he's helping Vince McMahon and do the whole, like, training against Austin there. Uh, so when he got the win, like, I was not expecting it. And so for me, I was. I was really excited to to see him back. And I was also excited to see Mabel because, to the best of my knowledge, he kind of disappears in 96. And then right. you don't hear of him. Like, he's not in WCW. He's nowhere to be found. So for him to be back, it was like, whoa, well, Mabel, that's pretty cool. He was not the third man in the NWO, uh, as Dave Meltzer speculated, you know, famously. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he did show up in the Ministry of Darkness. And, uh, you know, 99 has a pretty famous uh, non-Rumble match on that show with The Rock and Mankind. Be interested to see if that pops up on either of our top tens. 
Very true. Definitely, definitely famous match. Uh, one of the matches that is featured so heavily in the Beyond the Mat documentary as well. Um, but when you're thinking of these non-Rumble matches, what were some of the things that you thought of uh, and putting them onto your list? Did you just go, these are my favorite matches? Or what are some of the factors that you put into them? Well, whenever you suggest this, I, th- I think maybe we brainstormed it last year or mentioned it offhand, uh, and then we, we brought it up a couple times and decided we were going to do it. Um, I thought it was it's a great subject because I don't I don't know if I've ever even seen like people do a countdown like this or talk about it. You just don't. Everyone counts down the top rumbles, but you don't talk about the undercard matches and stuff like that. So it was an interesting thought because they get forgotten a lot of times. But there are yeah. some real classics that happen on there so for me uh, i was telling you a little bit earlier i had six or seven of them that came to mind just like right off the bat and i was like okay those are definitely in my top 10 um they, they just like have stuck with me and i can think back to them easily uh and then i went through every all 34 or 35 royal rumble cards since 1988 i looked through all the cards and um you know, listed out about another 15 or 20 or so matches that I thought were maybes for me. Uh, thought about it a little bit more this week and watched back uh, uh, about eight or nine of those that I wasn't sure about or hadn't seen in a while to see what would fill those other spots. Um, just, you know, looking for great wrestling, great memorable moments, really interesting stuff. Um uh, there's a lot of great gimmick matches that happened on Royal Rumble. So those definitely stuck out in my mind. Um, uh, I think, you know, that was just my qualifications. Like what is um, what excited me? What what lasts in my memory the most uh, from these types of matches? Yeah, I think for me, I, one of the things I immediately try to do is like, let me take the the being there live part out of it as best I possibly can. Um, you know, I uh, kind of when I did my 2023 countdown of the pay-per-views with uh, Steve, I I felt like it was I, I was uh, leaning towards the great times we had because Alex and I uh, went with Randy and Nick, uh, oh, a couple of friends to uh, SummerSlam in Detroit. And so immediately I was like, I got I got to take myself out of that. I got to take away the great times we had and focus on the actual shows. And so I started to do that with the the Royal Rumbles I've been to because I've been lucky enough to go to five different Royal Rumble events um and i had a bunch of matches written down from those shows and i will let you know that uh none of those shows have one match of my favorites on there uh some solid matches i'm even having the uh the 2019 shirt on here but none of them despite being a really solid card i think it's i think altogether it's a great show but i don't think like the sum of its parts is much better than each one of the specific matches when looking back yeah that's interesting and and i think i don't think that's a bad thing to have your personal experience impact your rankings you know that it's it's hard to separate that uh and i think that's totally fair because you know everyone's gonna have that different uh mindset going into it but uh i'm surprised uh, none of those uh are on there because I, I which ones did you go to you said 2019 so i went to 2000 so i went to 2008 um, which has a very good uh, Edge versus Rey Mysterio match that was that was close to being on my list. I went 2010, uh, which has a very good Undertaker versus Rey Mysterio match that was close to being on my list. Uh, then I went to 2011, which has a solid Dolph Ziggler versus Edge match. Uh, yes, that one as well. Really good match. Uh, That's I one of the ones I rewatched this week. Really solid. Yeah, yeah, really good. I don't know why Kelly Kelly makes an appearance, but <laughs> I did not remember that. No, I watched it back. I was, like, was she ever involved with Edge or 
the world yes. title? Um, she had a world title match at one point. Ah, uh, really? <laughs> I think it was like a mixed tag where she could technically win the world title or something like that on SmackDown. Wow, that is that is too funny. Um, that's crazy. Uh, and then I went to 2018 in uh, Philadelphia. 2018, uh, you know, a couple of different, like, uh, the, the, the big matches. Braun Strowman versus Kane versus Brock Lesnar. Not not close. To be not honest. one of your favorites. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, and then 2019 has some really strong matches. Uh, Sasha Banks versus Ronda's really good. Uh, Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar's really good. And Becky versus Asuka almost made my list. That's, that's a great match. Um, but again, I just, uh, you know, just on the outside looking in for me. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I, I'm very interested to see. I, I, I think I have like some ideas of some ones that are on your list. Uh, just yeah. knowing <laughs> your wrestling fandom and hearing you talk about other things. Uh, but I'm intrigued, uh, cause definitely some of the ones you just mentioned, I thought might've been on there. So I, I could be totally wrong here. I'm excited I'm very, to hear yours. I'm very interested to hear. Cause I, 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 I wonder how much overlap we're going to have on our list. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think, uh, traditionally, I think you, I, so for some reason we're, we're literally the same age, but for right. some reason, I always seem to kind of lean towards the more recent, like I'll, I'll reminisce about how wonderful WWE in 2013 was and nobody else is reminiscing <laughs> how wonderful that year was. Uh, but I think that like, uh, for some reason I always kind of lean towards some of the more recent stuff, even though I have very fond memories growing up as a fan. So, uh, it'll be interesting. I feel like there's maybe three. Definitely, I'll be shocked if they're not on both of our list. And then I think everything else, I, I feel like it's going to be totally different. So, uh, I, and I'm not even sure where you're going to rank these three that I think, I feel like they have to be on your list. But I, I don't know, maybe. We'll I, I remember the last one we did where I, I threw in my uh, my number two rumble of all time being the men's 2018. And you almost fell out of your chair. And you were like, what? <laughs> And somebody who had watched it, it told me they were like, uh, I, the, the craziest part about my rumbles, my top 10 was that, that he was waiting for me to say 2007. And then I just didn't say it at all. And he was like, how is it not even in your top 10? Um, and looking back, it is a really, it is a solid match. Uh, it's actually a pretty good, pretty good show overall, 2007. That's mm-hmm. a, a solid where I rumble. Uh, so I might have got that one wrong. Um, but all right. Uh, so do you want to get us started with your number 10? I will. I, I wanted to mention one more sure. just interesting factoid that I found out just real quick. Yeah. Um, you know, so many great stars, obviously, that we're going to talk about here. Did you know that um, out of all these non-Rumble, Royal Rumble pay-per-view matches, it's so weird. I don't, I don't have a good title for what to call these type of matches. Undercard matches. We'll just call it that. Hulk Hogan nor Stone Cold Steve Austin ever had a non-Rumble match on the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Two of the biggest stars in pro wrestling history. Um, They only ever competed in Rumbles, never on the card themselves. It's even crazier with Austin because at that stage, it doesn't feel like he would have been in every Rumble, but he was. He was. (laughs) He was in everyone he could be in. Yeah. It's pretty nutty. Whereas like Hogan, I feel like the Rumble matches in the early stages had all the big stars. So you can kind of see it with him. But right. it was just everybody. Like you had Hogan was even in, even in 89 where big John stud wins, you have Hogan macho in there, every big name. Um, so like the undercard matches were like really undercard matches. Uh, whereas now, you know, there's going to be two, three title matches and then the two rumble matches themselves. 
Uh, so, you know, they're kind of saving some of the big stars out of that. But that's really interesting. The Austin one's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I think they're the only two like big stars that you could say that for. But I just thought that was uh, really surprising as I was making my list. None of those guys showed up on there because they couldn't possibly be on there for what we're doing. But uh, them two are uh, two probably two of the most synonymous names with where both have won. Hogan's that's won right. Back to back, which is very rare. Very, very few people have won a back to back. I think only three people have. I think it's just Sean, Sean Hogan and Austin. Austin. Yeah. And on the most rumbles at three. Yep. yep. So, uh, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. So uh, I just thought that was fun to mention. But uh, yeah, I'd be happy to start us off here with my number 10. Before we get into our countdowns today, I want to tell you about this month's incredible sponsor for Talking Taker. I'm talking about Smart Labels. Smart Labels is the innovative new labeling and inventory system that is going to reimagine the way that you organize your life. Now, of course, on today's episode, Tommy and I are talking about our lists of some of the greatest matches in Royal Rumble history. And if you're anything like me, you probably make lists all the time in your life. But who can keep track of all of these different lists? Smart Labels is going to change the way that you do that. They have a revolutionary QR code labeling system that attaches to an app on your phone that lets you keep track and keep inventory of all sorts of things in your life. All you have to do is go to Amazon, either on your computer or on the app on your phone, search for smart labels and purchase a starter pack from there. They'll send you the labels, you get that prime shipping so they'll get to your door in uh, you know, 48 hours or less and then download the Smart Labels app and you can start organizing your life in a way that you never realized was possible. For example, it's the middle of January right now, the temperatures are dropping, you're probably going up into your attic or into your basement, you might be going into storage looking for all your nice warm winter clothes. You've got tubs, you've got boxes, you've got all these places where you keep these things, you can't keep track of all of them all. Smart Labels allows you to do that in a way that you never thought possible. You just stick one of their smart label QR code stickers on the box, scan a picture of it with your app, and then you can make a list of everything that's in that box, that's in that container. You can keep track of where your red sweaters are, where your blue sweaters are, where your jackets are, whatever it is that you're keeping track of, you can keep a list of it on there. Even better, you can take a picture of it. Uh, so you don't even have to make a whole list of it. You can just snap a picture of it. So you snap the QR code label, you know exactly what's in that box. You don't have to retrieve the uh, ninth box in the, in the stack of 20 boxes or whatever it is out there. You just know exactly where to go instead of looking through all that junk. So whatever it is out there that you need to keep track of, maybe it's your wrestling figures, maybe it's your wrestling t-shirts, maybe it's your wrestling DVDs. Who knows what it is that you gotta keep track of. And hey, look, it doesn't even have to be at your home. You can take smart labels to the workplace. Use them in your business, use them in your office, use them in your classroom. You could use smart labels anywhere and it could change the way your whole operation works. They're so simple, they're so easy to use, they're so efficient. I'm telling you, all you do is download the app, place the sticker on your box or wherever you need to put the label, and it starts working immediately. Like I said last month, I we use them when we 
put our Christmas decorations down in the basement. So this, so in December of next year, whenever we're looking for the Christmas decorations, we don't have to remember what's in the 10 different tubs of Christmas decorations down in the basement. We don't have to sort through them all looking for particular things. Now with smart labels, I just have to pull up the app and I know exactly what's in each one of those containers. So just think of all the different ways that you could use smart labels in your life. Better yet, just go ahead and head on over to Amazon, type in smart labels, it's going to be the first thing that comes up on there, and order you a pack of them, and get them in your hand in just a couple of days, download that app, and I guarantee you, you're just gonna, your mind's going to be racing with different ways that you could use smart labels. Once again, head on over to Amazon and search for smart labels, or you can click on the show notes of our episode description. We've got our link on there, so you can click that as well. It's going to take you directly to the order form over on the Amazon to get your first pack of smart labels and change the way you organize your life. Now, let's get to our top tens. And um, you want to talk about like some honorable mentions at the end yeah we can do it okay and be great yeah yeah because i got there was a, quite a few that like were close but um and i i feel like this one's gonna surprise you as far as my ranking here but number 10 this is another one i watched back this week but it was one that i remembered being really fun um for the time um I, this is pretty recent for me this is the 2020 Royal Rumble, oh. and uh, I thought this match really harkened back to the Attitude Era for me, uh, as far as a modern match goes. And this was the opening match on the card: Roman Reigns versus King Corbin oh, in a Falls God. Count Anywhere match. Very cool. That's awesome. <laughs> I loved, uh, and I, I know you love King Corbin. He's one of your guys. I wow. hate him. Can't stand him. Um, <laughs> I thought this is the best match he ever had. Um, they fight into the crowd. They're in Phoenix, Arizona at the, uh, Diamondbacks, uh, baseball stadium there. So they, uh, have this massive crowd they fight through, uh, the Usos get involved, the, the dirty dogs get involved. Um, Roman tosses Corbin into a bathroom, uh, a porta potty and tips it over. And then there's an awesome finish where Roman spears Corbin on top of the dugout and pins him on top of the dugout. I just remember being at my house at the time, watching it, having the lowest expectations because this was Roman. Like he hadn't quite become the guy that he is now the head of the table. He's still baby face, you know, wearing the chest protector Roman, just kind of not doing anything. Obviously he's facing King Corbin in the opening match, but uh, I just remember not being into it. But by the end of it, I was like hooting and hollering, man, this was so much fun. It is a really, I, I, I definitely, I honestly hadn't even, you know what it is? I think, Unfortunately, I always equate 2020 with the pandemic era, um, which I thought was just really unwatchable. I just did not like like this stuff. And I, I give them credit for trying, right? But at the end of Absolutely. the day, it was hard to watch. Uh, so I forget almost about this show. Uh, but this show was not a part of the pandemic era. It's actually a really strong show. I uh, remember I went to a, uh, a, a Royal Rumble viewing party with the Yep, I watch wrestling Facebook group and uh, went to go watch that. And I remember the people being really into this match and kind of a similar deal where Corbin came out. I was like, ah, oh, you know, enough. And, and by the end, everyone was jumping up off their chairs at the bar and going nuts for it. 
and uh, it was really a, a fun watch. So I'll have to go back and watch that one. That's uh, that's a really fun one. It was such a stupid feud too. This was the dog food feud. Like, so like people hated all that. Uh, but I feel like they just went out and just crushed it during the match and had a blast with it. Uh, like I said, it harkened back to me to like a hardcore match from 1999 or something. So I, I really dug it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really a, that's a great shout. And uh, I give you a lot of credit for that one. That's uh, <laughs> very, very cool. Um, for me, number 10, I went back and forth on this one. I, I will just uh, fully, exposed that i was very uh, one minute i was thinking i was going to take the last man standing match 2016 world rumble between uh dean ambrose and kevin owens it's a solid match it's really good fortunately just on the outside looking in for me kind of gone back and i'm going to go with world rumble 2002 the rock defending his title i'm sorry chris jericho defending his title against the rock uh i think for me one of the things i really appreciated about this match was actually the build-up to it as well the idea that everybody was already starting to sort of position, hey, I'm going to win the Rumble Rock and I'm going to go on to challenge you. And this kept building and building and building until finally Chris Jericho was like, hey, what's with all the disrespect? Like, I'm here. I'm the champion. Like, I should be the one you should be going after. Until finally The Rock has this this period, like, he comes over to Jericho and he's like, you know, The Rock does take you very serious, Chris Jericho, uh, but I'm going to take that title. And uh, I think recently I've been honestly doing all these uh, these different Mount Rushmore's that I've been starting to do here on the channel. And I just recently did The Rocks. And I've really grown an appreciation for some of his matches. I feel like uh, I've always been a fan of his character work and his promos. But he's had some really solid matches through the years. Oh, yeah. And this one here against Jericho is a really good one. And I think at the time it really established Jericho as a solid champion. Unfortunately, they kind of destroyed the reign, I feel like, just by pairing him with Stephanie and him being kind of the background foil to the Stephanie Triple H feud. But this is a great match. Also where like he was sort of adjacently with uh, those guys who eventually became the Un-Americans. So they're involved here. Lance Storm and Christian run in. They try to help. Uh, But in the end, Chris Jericho gets the big win over The Rock. And he actually included this on a Blu-ray he put out. It was called uh, The Road is Jericho. Mm -hmm. Not sure if you ever saw it, but he included (coughs) this match on it. And, uh, was talking about how it meant so much to him to finally get the win over The Rock. So I thought it was great, and uh, watching it back, it's it's just a really great match. There it is on the tape I've got here on my display. Uh, wow. Royal Rumble that, 02. That Rumble 02, I think, is definitely uh, one of the best Rumble shows of all time. It is. No, I, I enjoyed that one. I think that's a great match. I knew it was going to be on your list. Um, I, I think I... I heard you talk about it before. I'm surprised it was low. It was it was number ten for you. Um, it, it's one of the ones that was in contention for me. Like I, I could de- easily slide that in to like the number ten or number nine spot. Like I, I've got, I'll talk about some honorable mentions. Like I, I could just slide those in depending on the day. Um, it just didn't quite get there for me on this one. But ask me on a different day, it could. But uh, for all those same reasons, you know, as, as a huge Jericho fan, it was awesome to see him get established, get that big win over The Rock. Those matches, they, they had a series of matches there in 01, 02 that were all really fun. Um, I think I'm just bitter. I wasn't at this show because it was in Atlanta uh, oh. in 02. And uh, I was sad. Um, I really, <clears throat> excuse me, hold on. Did you ever think Some of going- my throat. Well, I was about to say we were, um, Travis and I would have been 15 at the time. And so oh, like, 
Yeah. We live probably about two and a half hours from Atlanta. So, and we couldn't drive ourselves at 15 yet. So if it was the 2003 Royal Rumble and we were 16, you know, we could have, you know, finagled that with our parents maybe to let us drive up there uh, and get tickets for that one. But, you know, our parents didn't love taking us to wrestling, especially not to Atlanta. They might take us to the house show in Augusta, but they weren't driving us to Atlanta at that time. So, uh, yeah, if it was the 03 or the 04 Rumble, we would have been there, but 02. And I was bummed I couldn't make it because that was right after WCW died. So it was like, a you know, WWE hadn't run Atlanta in, in a long time. Uh, so that was a big deal. But yeah. good pick. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I got from my number nine. Uh, you mentioned it. It was not on your list. Um, surprise. Surprise. This one was not on your list. But it's from one of the shows you went to. It's the 2019 Royal Rumble. And I went with one of those women's matches. Uh, they're both excellent women's matches. Uh, but for me, uh, the SmackDown women's match, Asuka and Becky Lynch for the SmackDown women's title, opened the show um, just outstanding. Like, uh, I watched it back again this week, um, and it was better than I remembered. Um, Becky is running high off of the man stuff. This is like when it's really starting to peak, uh, when she's riding that momentum and she loses, loses the match surprisingly. And then is going to have to run into the Royal rumble later on to, uh, I forget whose spot she stole, uh, to get into the rumble. Was it Lana? That was Lana. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's right. So she goes in there and ends up winning the Royal Rumble to get that WrestleMania title shot. But just a great showing from both of the women. Asuka, you know, she never has a bad match, in my opinion. You know, she always brings it, especially on pay per views. Yeah. So um, a lot of great reversals, a lot of great submissions. Um, and again, b- both of these women are kind of really, especially Becky, she's like peaking and becoming the megastar uh, that she's about to be. So it's great to see her on the rise there. Absolutely, yeah. I, I can't uh, gr- can't agree with you more. I think it's kind of like uh, when we went to the SummerSlam, and I was wearing the LA Knight shirt, and I feel like LA Knight, no matter where you went, everyone, oh, let me talk to you, and everyone, like his star was just so much on the rise, on the cusp. Unfortunately, I think it's fallen off a bit, but I think that at with this particular show, that wearable weekend, everyone was all about the man. The man was just really starting to pick up so much steam. So when she came out and lost to Oscar, it was like, huh. That's right kind of, like that's weird but at the same time she loses clean as a sheet so nobody's like there's no controversy there's nothing she just loses and the only sad part about wrestlemania 35 and getting that great women's title match for both belts is that oscar has done such a great job as the smackdown women's champion she's left out almost entirely i don't yeah. think she's on the show. uh and so that's really a, a tough spot for her because i think she was just having great matches all over the place. Even when she eventually loses the title to Charlotte, that's a really solid match as well. Um, but they did. I mean, that people were really into Becky Lynch, and uh, I think she was the biggest star that weekend for sure. So that's a great, great match. Yeah, absolutely. I love that one. Uh, for me, I'm going to go to the just two years before that, the Royal Rumble 2017. And I think it's a match that when you hear about the Royal Rumble 2017, people sometimes forget about. But it is a great match. It is Roman Reigns against Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship. Uh, and it has Chris Jericho up in the shark cage, probably the best use of the shark cage because <laughs> Jericho's up there and you're thinking, oh, at some point he's going to get down, he's going to get involved. He's pretty much just up there. Like they really did have a something to, and I'm pretty sure they had a toy too that was coming out with a shark yes. cage. 
Uh, because I remember at, I went to WrestleMania 33, and this was all the rage, was the Jericho shark cage. And my wife and I actually went into the shark cage and did post photos and everything, uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but this match is is great. Uh, you know, Roman's in there with Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is, at this point, just on fire. These guys are both so young and so, like, hungry to be, like, that top of the card. Roman, yes, he's already main evented a couple manias, but he's not really been accepted as the guy yet. So I think it's great. And then it has one of my favorite, I still, to this day, would totally pop if one day Braun Strowman runs in, destroys Roman Reigns, and says, I'm not finished with you, because Braun <laughs> ends up costing Roman the match. And I thought... Honestly, at that point, they could have given Braun Strowman the title. Like, he was getting so over. And I don't know why they had so many start and stops with this guy. He was, like, primed and ready to have a big match at WrestleMania, and they just never got anywhere with him. Uh, and it's a shame looking back, because I totally forgot he got involved at the end of this. But it's really good. It's great stuff. Uh, I mean, Braun was like the Lex Luger of, you know, the the 20... <laughs> 2010s 2020 like yep. just had 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 all the momentum but just kept getting the rug pulled out under him and yeah I, it was so bizarre that they never went full tilt with him until it was too late you know they did eventually put the title on him in in the covid era in the thunderdome yeah. era and it's like a forgotten reign and you know it's not his fault necessarily but it was just too little too late kept losing the big match too many times you couldn't take him seriously anymore but um yeah that's a good one um they've had comparison to luger too i do think if luger hung around wwe back in 95 96 they'd eventually would have gotten to him being champion but like nowhere near too late yeah you can't buy it anymore SummerSlam 93 for sure yeah like i don't know what they were doing roman and ko they've had three royal rumble singles matches right or is it two at least two at least two they definitely had the one last year because they won last year i think they had another one they may Um, have one. Yeah, I think, you're I think right. they have a trilogy and they're all good, but like I, I think that's why I didn't pick any of them because like yeah. none of like they all blend together in my head a little bit, but they're all always good. They're they're great opponents for each other. Um, I think I might have liked the 2023 one a little bit more than this one, uh, but but they're and all I, excellent. Yeah, the Sammy ending too, turning on Roman finally. Yeah, uh, I think I, I, I didn't like the 2023 because I remembered the night before it. Roman went on the Jimmy Fallon show and they asked him, so who are you fighting at the Rumble? He's like, Kevin Owens. And I'm not sure why. I've beaten this guy like a drum so many times. I'm going to beat him again tomorrow. And then when he beat him again the next night, I was like, he just buried him. (laughs) (laughs) That gave me some hope that like, maybe Roman's actually going to do the job. Nope. He just beat him again. Uh, So I think that kind of left a sour taste. And I do think that that match, if you include the ending with Sammy, certainly gets the, the upper hand there. That's a great ending. Yeah, if you take it all together, for sure. Um, okay, my number eight is one uh, you mentioned um, uh, previously. Um, and this is one, um, again, I watched it back again to make sure, but it was one that stuck in my memory for a long time. It is a last man standing match from 2016 for the Intercontinental title. Kevin Owens, we're going to talk about him again yeah. versus Dean Ambrose. Um not really. I wouldn't say a coming out party for either of these guys because they've been there for a couple of years and been established, but still like really, really fun. Uh, these guys like kind of stole the show on this night, in, in my opinion. Um, again, it felt 
old school, uh, a lot of great chair shots, table shots. Kevin Owen takes a wild bump, like front flips off the top rope onto two <laughs> tables on the outside. A pretty crazy bump. Yeah, uh, I feel like people forget about. Um, but it's just it's good storytelling uh, between these guys. Um, Kevin Owens is like in the corner just screaming like i hate you at ambrose and ambrose is like i hate you too <laughs> like they're just jab- jabbing at each other the whole match um just both guys playing to their strengths um no blood probably could have been better with a little bit of blood if you know if this match took place in AEW, you know both guys would be uh, like just right. <laughs> just a bloodbath you know ambrose yeah. wanted to so bad uh but still i think a really really fun really underrated almost forgotten about match for both these guys um before well i guess had ambrose had the world title yet i don't think he i think he has it later in 2016 so yeah he, like, he gets it at uh money in the bank 2016 because yeah. Roman, Roman fails for whatever that was that he had the the violation yeah so that same night Roman and Seth fight and Dean wins the money in the bank and then cashes in and gets money and gets the title right. and all three members of the yes, shield yes, yes. title so uh yeah so it's before either guys had a world title but it, it kind of establishes them like these are going to be guys that are going to be top guys for many many years and you know ambrose of course is going to be a top guy in AEW, but kevin owens is still going to be a top guy in wwe many years later and i think this match really establishes them 100 percent. that's it's a great shot they are i mean they move so fast they're so crisp in everything they do they're going balls to the wall in this match uh it's it's such a great match and it's one of these things where uh I think looking at it, it's not. I, I think this show is really the. This is the Dean Ambrose show in a way because he has this great match, wins the match against Kevin Owens, comes back, both yeah, rumble, and then he's yeah. come on with Hunter. You're right. Uh, get rid of Roman, and it, it's down to Dean Ambrose and Hunter. So it's a really good showing for him, and it's you know unfortunately for Ambrose, I think once he's on that Stone Cold podcast, that's kind of the end for him. Uh, you know, he was kind of on the rise until he's on that Austin podcast, and then everything just kind of falls apart. I don't think he ever got back there. Kevin Owens, always a guy I always thought was always going to kind of be, and I love Kevin Owens, uh, one of the nicest guys that I've had the opportunity to meet him, follow him on the indies. I never thought he'd be a guy who would be top guy in WWE, but not only did he hold the title, he's main evented back to back WrestleManias. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> Great point, yeah. Great. Like, who'd have thought Kevin Owens would be? back-to-back main events and he'd be the guy to get austin to come out of <laughs> retirement to face him in texas of all places heck of a career heck of a run and you know he's he's not over yet yeah it's pre- pretty great uh next match here this might just be one that i love uh i don't know if this is a great match it might not be uh but for me i'm gonna go uh back to the royal rumble 2000 it is the tables match between the hardys and the dudleys uh this match does not open the show uh kaz's debut opens the show but this match comes Right after that, uh, I think it's the greatest Royal Rumble event ever in WWE history. And uh, for me, this is a big reason why I do. I will say that it starts with a horrible promo from the Hardys where Harry <laughs> Runnels is trying to get them like it. So square, square in a round peg or whatever that uh, whatever that expression is. Uh, it's uh, Terry and the Hardys. They just do not work at all. And Terry's trying to convince them to go out. And Jeff is like, Terry, no. Yes. But they come out, once they actually get in the ring and fight, it is uh, an incredible match. It's four young guys doing whatever they can to get on the show. Uh, It's a little confusing because it's the first ever ladder table match in WWE history, I think. Uh, At least a tag table match. Maybe the first one ever. 
And so they have to do it consecutively. And so JR and the King are trying to figure out as they go along to see who's gone consecutive. But some of the moves they do through these tables are they just obliterate the tables. Everyone remembers the incredible ending where Jeff Hardy does the swanton bomb. And I'll never forget, I feel like this match and a couple others from this era were like constantly shown. If you ever went to WWF New York and ate at that restaurant, they'd be like constantly shown in the in the background on the big screens. So for me, it's like this show, I just like I've watched a million times and it's so iconic. Uh, but before Jeff even goes off there, Bubba is up there with him and Jeff tosses Bubba off and he falls down and just like off the rafters, destroys three tables. And it's like, yikes, like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just like brutal. And I think unfortunately, because of the incredible TLC matches and triple threats they've had with Edge and Christian, this one almost gets overlooked, but it's a great match. I agree with you 100%. Um, I I think Royal Rumble 2000 is not only one of the best Royal Rumbles, it's just one of the best WWE events ever. Like, the whole card is great. It's just a great time capsule of that era. Um, so many fun matches and moments. Even if they're not all five stars, they're all really memorable. Like, Kurt Angle and Taz. Like, just what a moment that was. Um yeah, and these guys just have a lot to prove. You know, the Hardy Boys had had their moment with it, that ladder match with Edge and Christian, but you know, uh, it's what have you done for me lately in the business? Uh, and so they're like, okay, we got another sh- shot. And the Dudley Boys, they had just debuted a few months ago, so they're like, you know, trying to establish themselves. You know, trying to prove that they belong there, and so they leave it all out um, on the table, if you will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, excellent match, excellent choice. And who didn't go back and watch the Miss Rumble 2000 pageant to see if Mae Young really showed her bare breasts? Or maybe it was just me. But uh, Is that on your list? Does that count as a match? <laughs> to make the list. It wasn't an official match. Otherwise, otherwise I'm sure sure that would have been there. But I, I remember <laughs> us sitting on the couch like, oh, my God, did Mae Young did they just really show Mae Young? It's like, and I think I think the story is they were, that that wasn't actually Mae Young. I believe they were prosthetics. That's, yeah. that's what I. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was so gross. <laughs> But uh, at the same time, funny for the time that we were. I mean, Terry had, you talk about her terrible promo. She had a great moment in that uh, Miss Rumble she, contest. I give her that. She made up for it later in the night. She that did. is true. Anyway, uh, my number seven choice uh, is going to be a few years after that. This was one, uh, it snuck into my top 10. I uh, wasn't sure about it. I, I didn't think I liked it as much, but I like. I was like, well, let me go back and watch it again. But it's two of my all-time favorite guys here. And it is, uh, I said Ambrose and Owens should have been a bloodbath. This was a bloodbath. Triple H and Shawn Michaels from 2004, a mm-hmm. last man standing match for the World Heavyweight title. Um, I love their street fight from SummerSlam in 02. Uh, they had a match on Raw a couple weeks before this one at the end of 2003. That is an excellent match. Uh, people should go check that out. And I always thought this match didn't live up to those. But man, uh, it starts a little slow. But once they start getting into it at the end, like said, Shawn Michaels has a gusher um, just covered in blood. And then Triple H gets busted open. And you think, well, he's no way he can match Shawn Michaels. Well, he does. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it is brutal. Um, and some great near falls. Uh, I think the last man standing match is just the unofficial match of the Royal Rumble, I, I guess, because I got two of them back to back here. Um, and I like last man standing matches. I like the drama of them, you know, getting up at eight or getting up at nine. And uh, there's a lot of great stuff in there. 
Um, this one, interestingly, though, it ends in the draw. So both yeah. guys, neither guy can answer the 10 count. Don't love that finish, but, um, you know, it keeps both guys strong when you realize, OK, we're going into the triple threat at WrestleMania 20. Uh, so we're coming up on that. So it gives you a reason why both of those guys need to be in that. So it works for that. You know, it's tough for the live crowd. You know, they, and they, they really hate it on this show. But uh, yeah. But uh, just great match. If you haven't seen this in a long time, I recommend people going back and watching it because it, I think it's better than I remembered. Probably better than a lot of people remember. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great show. That is a really good match. I personally don't love the draw feature part of it, um, but I understand. But I remember at the time being like, "Huh, I wonder if they're going to do something with Sean because it felt like, well, you got to go Hunter and Benoit, but Sean ends up getting in the match, so it actually uh, ma- ma- makes a great deal of sense there as to why they uh, kind of had to go that way." And I think it was the right call for that WrestleMania yeah. 20 match. I think that match is perfect, you know, as the triple threat and uh, probably wouldn't have been as good just a singles match. I agree. And I think, you know, unfortunately, and, for, and, 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 you know, full disclosure, I'll probably say this a couple of times here on this on this countdown. It's never the same with Chris Benoit after what he did. Yeah. Uh, when he was uh, when he was still, I thought it was the greatest uh, main event in WrestleMania history, especially sure. of him and Eddie at the end. Now it's not the same, but back then, I mean, you can't can't ask for any anything better. No question, no question. Um, for me, number seven on the list uh, is going to also be a last man standing match, and uh, I will ask you. I'll start this with a question that I actually had uh, posed to Steve when we were talking about Royal Rumble 2008. Okay. Uh, who would you say is the guy growing up that uh, you felt, no matter what, this guy for like a year or two would give you a great match every time out? Uh, I mean, first guy that comes to my head is Bret Hart. Like, right. I yeah. think that's the guy for us. The generation below us would say John Cena's 2007. And I think it starts right here in this match. Last man standing match, Royal Rumble 2007. John Cena versus the Samoan Bulldozer, Umaga. And they absolutely just amazing. I mean, you, you, go, you went into this match. I think this match does more for John Cena than... Any other? I think it does more for Cena than him tapping out Triple H at WrestleMania 22. Because Cena comes out and people are—they're done with him. They're like, "No, we're fat, we're over this guy, ready for to move on." But he goes a million. I mean, he's bleeding a gusher through this, blood all over his face, and Umaga just keeps getting back up. And every time you count him out, you think he's done. He keeps getting back up. Uh, I think this match is uh, incredible, and uh, it's a shit. You know. Uh, Umago is so talented in the ring. Uh, it's a shame that, uh, you know, unfortunately uh, he passed away at such a young age because I think that he was uh, really underrated. And uh, I think this is probably his highlight in WWE. Well, I agree with you. It's my number six. So I've oh. got it like right here, uh, right after yours. Um, like I said, last May standing match, the unofficial match of the world. Rumble three in a row on my top 10 list here, all included. Uh, And you're right. I mean, this was an incredible performance from Cena when he needed it. Got the, got the fans back on his side for a little while. (laughs) You know, it's all, it was always a battle with him for like Oh six to, you know, 12 or 13 before everyone was just like, all right, fine. We love, we're going to cheer for you. You know, you've earned it. Um, But yeah, during this time, definitely not. Um, I remember thinking, this is one where they, uh, I wouldn't have been upset if they switched the title, even if they switched it back the next month, it would have been cool to see Umaga get the win here. Cause he was running hot. 
Um, and they do give him that he's in a huge match at Mania 23. That uh, yeah. Battle of the Billionaires match is a pretty massive spot on the card for him. So they, they definitely had big plans for him. I could have seen him as a short-term world champion. Um, uh, it's a, like you said, it's a shame that he passed so early. I love that, you know, he still gets honored to this day, you know, with, with Solo Sokoa, you know, still, yeah. you know, uh, you know, pays tribute to him and, and we still get to uh, hear about him and kids can still get to learn about him. But great match, um, uh, great chemistry between these guys. Awesome finish with the ring falling apart and using the turnbuckle there with the STFU. Very innovative and creative and wild and crazy. Uh, 07 Rumbles, that's another great card, top to bottom, I feel oh, like. Yeah, yeah, great opener too, Eminem against the Hardys. Um, yeah, you, you know, and I think the good thing about the Umaga here, one of the best uh, uses of a, a manager, Armando Alejandro Estrada <laughs> is so great in this match. He's running around. Yeah do everything he can to help Umaga get the win. Uh, because remember, it was the pay-per-view before this that they unceremoniously had Umaga lose his undefeated streak to Cena. Cena rolls him up and gets a quick win. And I thought, like, this match would have meant even more if they had held off on that. Yeah, Maybe totally. Umaga win the belt and had him be the undefeated champion going against Cena in the last man's oh, yeah. Um, But yeah, when Cena gets the win here, the crowd is so into him. Uh, and it's finally like, all right, we kind of respect this guy. And even though we're going to hate him for the next few years, he has our respect because we know that he's really in this for the right reasons. Yeah. Very cool. Well, that's my number six. So it's, it's back to you for your number six. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, well, you know, I spoke a little bit about uh, uh, Benoit earlier. Uh, one of his matches is going to be right here for me. Uh, it's going to be uh, the Royal Rumble 2001. Chris Benoit against Chris Jericho. Intercontinental Championship match. This is another one that falls like right into that realm of like the most insane matches happening on pretty much a monthly basis in WWE with the, the TLC matches. And this one fits right in. And I think it's such a unique use of the ladder in this match, too, where they do like a Russian leg sweep with the ladder. Jericho does the octopus with the ladder and has this like insane submission right over the top of it. Uh, they do a deal where uh, Benoit goes. I mean, it's crazy thinking back, like how much damage this must have caused the guy. But he does a head first dive through the ropes. And Jericho clobbers him with his shield chair as he comes through the ropes. Uh, just completely crazy, but uh, really just an incredible match. Oh, yeah. Uh, there are two Chris Benoit matches that are iconic at the Royal Rumble, and that's one of them. Uh, and I think even Jericho, he talked about it in one of his books or he's talking about it in podcasts or something. Like He wanted to put that on one of his DVDs, and WWE was like, we can't let you do that anymore. And he's like, he was just so pissed off about it uh, because yep. that's one of his favorite matches of all time. And it is great. Um, I did not include any Ben one matches on my list, Understood. but you know, if I did, that one is one of the two that's on there. It is outstanding. Um, again, obviously for reasons why it's, it's forgotten about and buried and not talked about anymore, but you no, know, at the time it is one of the best ladder matches to ever happen up to that point. I mean, no doubt about it. So for all those innovative spots that you just mentioned that, that a uh, lion tamer or octopus, whatever you want to call it on top of the ladder was just wild to see. Yeah. I, I always thought it was a lion tamer. And then I went back and I watched it and Jim Ross was like octopus. I was like octopus. I think it's supposed to be a lion tamer. You know, he's doing the best he can. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely like watching it back. So it's almost a little eerie. It's kind of like you go back and watch the ultimate warrior speech the day before he dies. And it's like, Ooh, that is weird. Yeah. Uh, but this one's also like, you watch it and you're like, that had to cause so much damage. Like, what is he doing? You know, right. really 
And I completely understand not, not, not including any Benoit matches. I went back and forth on it, too. Um, but I know it's uh, definitely a t- tough one for sure. Yeah, because there's, you know, the other one that uh, I feel like is probably going to be on your list. That one was hard for me to leave off because it, it, it belongs in there. It belongs in the top 10. No question. So we'll, we'll probably talk about it here. But uh, my number five, uh, this one, maybe it's Undertaker bias. Obviously, let's talk Taker podcast. Um, there has got to be one on here. and I, But I will stand by this match. And it's the this is the oldest match that I have on my list. Um, this is from 1998. This is the ca- uh, casket match between The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels for the WWF Championship. And these two guys never had a bad match with each other. Uh, they didn't have very many, but every single one of them was excellent. Um, they would go on to be the ending of the 07 Royal Rumble, of course, with that awesome ending there, and then beginning the 08 Royal Rumble. And uh, this one probably is um, the worst of their matches, you know, because you got Hell in a Cell, uh, you got all the Royal, uh, the WrestleMania matches, of course. But I, I stand by this one being excellent as well. Just all the same great chemistry, some awesome. Uh, spots and moments uh, jumping, you know, into the casket. Uh, Sean obviously, you know, injuring his back, bumping off of the casket. Uh, but they're doing some crazy stuff at the time. Um, again, it's a it's a weird finish, but I I think for the story that they're telling, they're, we're trying to get to Undertaker versus Kane. I don't mind, you know, the screwy finish with Kane coming in there and interfering, um, especially because it was so hot going into that show. They were pushing that Kane and Undertaker were working together. So right. when Kane's music hits and the lights go out, the crowd just erupts because they think Kane, they're for sure Kane is coming out there to save Undertaker. Oh. But he turns on him, puts him in the casket, lights it on fire. God. So they, all for all the storytelling, all the spectacle, uh, I stand by this match as my number five. Uh, it's a really, it's a great match. And I, I'll, uh, I always just was so trying to figure out how the heck they pulled it off where he sets the thing on fire because he gets in there so fast, sets it on fire. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be a trap door or something, and I know uh, Bruce Pritchard would never give it away, but it, they do it really well because he sets it on fire, and it's like, no! But then it eventually sets up like, all right, now Taker's got to come back for revenge. So I think it's great. Unfortunately, it's also the match where Sean lands awkwardly on his back, right? And that's kind yes. of the uh, of him there. I figured there'd be a couple of uh, Undertaker matches on your on your list. Definitely, I thought this one would be there, though, for sure. Well, you mentioned the Rey Mysterio one, and that one was at like the number 10 or 9 spot for me for a while and eventually bumped it out. But I, that's a great um, – it's short. It's only like you know 9 or 10 minutes, but it's a great sprint between it those is. two guys. Very fun match, but uh, I had to bump it out. Uh, but it was close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, my number five here, my, uh, my, my top – my number five here getting into my top five is probably one of my more controversial – I mean, I have two I have Benoit matches on my thing. It's not that controversial. But I have uh, going to go back to the one that's the oldest one on my list, which is the Royal Rumble 1999, okay. uh, the last man standing match between okay. uh, Mankind and The Rock. For a long time, I hated this match because I just felt it's not a lot of damage to Mick Foley. Uh, he's talked about it on his uh, podcast. It's brutal. I don't understand how Rock got so carried away and just continued to level Mick with the chair time and time again but before they get there it's a great match mick falls off the the top of that like the barricades through the whole like explosives and everything (laughs) 
Uh, they're just, it's insane. And I actually like the twist a lot of him saying, I quit, I quit, I quit. Because it, when he did it, it was kind of like, huh, I wonder, wait, did, was he really screaming, I quit? And then, of course, you find out he said it actually during the, uh, you know, Sunday Night Heat, I think it was, and they recorded it uh, and went on it that way. But uh, I think it's a, I, I, I like this match. Again, it's a controversial choice. I felt like it would have been tough to not include it, but at the same time, it's hard to include it knowing how much damage kind of went into it. I think you make a great case for it. Uh, it's not on my list, but um, I, I do agree. Like I, I think they have rocket mankind always had good matches with each other. And this is another example of it. Um, yeah. The, the spot that you mentioned was awesome. Um, it goes back to like, what do you consider to be great wrestling? Is it like this in-ring work where you're doing reversals and submissions and high spots and, and stuff like that, or is it storytelling? And right. it, and if you love storytelling, I mean, this match tells an incredibly, you know, gut wrenching story where Mick Foley's being beaten and abused in front of his family. And um, you're right. It's a great twist ending. Um, it's one of those things where, when you're watching it live, you don't realize what's going on. And like, yeah, you go back to it. Uh, maybe you don't remember it as fondly, but like at the time when that twist happened, it was very surprising and very creative. Uh, kudos to Russo for, or, you know, whoever was writing it back then for coming up with it. I assume it was Russo, but um, it was very creative, very clever. And just, yeah, this is such a dramatic match. Maybe they went a little too far with the drama, um, but it's, it's certainly memorable and I don't have any problem with it being on there top 10 list and i think even on, on beyond the match nick even says he didn't remember the rock coming to him but i think beyond the mat you see the rock come over to okay yeah yeah i think so you know it's it's interesting i think it's one of russo's best night i know a lot of people think nothing's more depressing than rumble in the 1989 i loved looking <laughs> i thought it was fantastic and i was all set for mcmahon and the rock at, at wrestlemania 15 so uh but well, look, yeah. to tell a great story, you have to have moments where the villain feels like they're conquering the hero. you got to have some obstacle for the hero to overcome. So that's part of a great storytelling. And um, this was the night where things looked darkest for our yeah. heroes in the World Wrestling Federation before they finally overcame at WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, my number four is one you've already mentioned, so I'll just uh, mention it again quickly. Uh, you said you didn't know if it should be on there. Well, I've got it even higher than you. I've got Hardys and Dudleys from oh, 2000, that tables match. Um, for all the reasons you mentioned, um, things I already said about it. Uh, one of my favorite spots in there is where Jeff Hardy is running on the barricade, and I think it's Devon that just like throws a table at him and just knocks Jeff Hardy <laughs> off the barricade with the table. Uh, so many creative spots. Jeff Hardy jumping off that taxi, um, you know, part of the set there in Madison Square Garden. The whole atmosphere, it's great. Um, another star-making performance uh, from all four of these guys. Uh, I think you could trace their Hall of fame inductions you know all the way back to this match and how they established themselves on this night it's yeah it's unbelievable and it's uh you know it's it also is just so, being a new yorker it's so new york like you, you think about this show think of like the big the big four for me the four i missed mania 10 SummerSlam 98 this show rumble 2000 and then mania 20 are like the four big new yorky type of shows that immediately you think about when you're thinking about new york and uh that this show is definitely the one of them and a oh, great yeah. these four guys for sure uh, 
All right, for me, number four, uh, match we sort of touched on, and uh, you know, I, I had thought about maybe not including it, decided to include it, uh, is going to be Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle at the Royal Rumble 2003. Uh, I think that this match was really great, and it was made even better because it followed Triple H and Scott Steiner, um, <laughs> <laughs> which was such a bad match. Uh, and I remember at the time, my, my grandfather, unfortunately, was going through some, uh, you know, some health issues and unfortunately was on the verge of dying. Uh, so my family had to move out to Florida for about a month. And his best friend kept telling us, like, uh, to fix Southern accent. And he kept saying, like, I know you didn't watch any WCW. We're ordering the Rumble tonight. You're going to be blown away by Scott Steiner. <laughs> a whole match. He's sitting there like, I really thought he was better than this. I'm so sorry. I thought he was better than this. And, like, he was building him up so much. So that you were blown away. We were all blown away by Scott Steiner on that night. <laughs> exactly. It was brutal. Um, and then Benoit and Angle come out, and they're just, I mean, tippy-top of the card. And it was interesting because they had had so many matches in 2002, it almost felt like when you heard the match was happening, like, do we really got to go back there? Like, we've seen this already a couple of times. Um, but it ends up being an incredible showcase for Benoit, maybe even better, and now I guess even more surreal with the moment at the end where the crowd gives him the standing ovation, Everybody stands up and and they cut away. It's the first time they've ever done it where they cut, they leave and then they come back and they had to to show him getting this adulation from the crowd, uh, which I thought was really a, a nice moment for him. And let let you know that, OK, maybe we are serious about this guy in the next year. They would really go all the way with him. It's it's so funny. WWE has tried to recreate that moment and milk that moment artificially so many times since then. And it was so organic then and so real and so memorable. Um, and they had, it has just never been the same every time they've tried to do it, have the guy, you know, struggle to stand up and just wait for that, you know, standing ovation from the crowd. And we the fans will do it just like out of pity, but it's never been the same as it was uh, with Benoit on that night. It's like that that clip you see of John Cena where he's sitting in the uh, he's sitting in the turnbuckle and he's sitting down looking sad and he's looking back. I don't know where it's from, but like that is totally them trying to get the crowd. Woo! Yeah, John, and like it just doesn't happen. Yep, and I, I feel like that moment, especially in this whole match, is what really solidified them with thinking, okay, I think we could make Benoit a champion one day, and uh, it really put him on that level. It's an it could be top three, top one for me. Uh, again, you know, like I said, I've said on here before, like, I just can't do it. I can't, I can't put them in there. I don't have any problem with you doing it or anybody else. Just, that's just my personal choice. But it's just looking at the match itself. Oh my God. They're just in ring, pure in ring work. It doesn't get any better than that. The complete opposite of your, a rock and mankind pick, you know, two totally ends of the spectrum about why we love wrestling here are those two matches. And this is just a, textbook example of that 100 percent, yeah and i think for me one of the I, I had given up on the benoit matches for a long time it was just too weird to watch living through that period was really difficult i think what happened was around uh, when i started this channel in 2018 2019 i had done the 15 years look back at wrestlemania 20 and it's my first time going back and watching that stuff and it was completely different like i was like it was so weird seeing benoit again and now I don't know if I, I, I certainly haven't accepted what he's done. It's absolutely awful. I can't imagine. Yeah, but I feel like it's almost like I've been able to somehow move the move it around and not allow it to be something that won't allow me to at least watch some of his matches, even though it is still not the same. Like this definitely would be number one for me, I think. I'm number two. 
if uh, if the whole tragedy didn't happen. Yeah, you know, and everybody views it different and looks at it different, and you know, that's that's fine. That's where we come together as wrestling fans, agree to disagree on those things. Uh, but it, you know, as a match itself, it deserves to be on there. Um, all right, top three, top three, the nitty gritty here. Hmm? I wonder if we have the same three. See, I feel like I feel like we have to. I feel like we have to, or let's let's we're like way off on on one of these. Um, but it's just it'll be interesting to see where we rank them here. Uh, number three for me is going to be 2017 for the WWE Championship. John Cena wins it all for the 16th time, ties Ric Flair's record against the phenomenal one AJ Styles. Um, just a uh, beautiful piece of storytelling here. AJ Styles is the heel. Um, he's a year after he debuted. Just a year yep. after he debuted, and he's already in the main event uh, world title match with Cena. Like crazy. You would have never believed that if someone told you that watching TNA, you know, and, and as a huge AJ Styles fan, um, always have been. I remember when he was on WCW on Nitro for two weeks, I remember watching it. I was like, this kid's really talented. Uh, I never would have believed this guy would be in there, but he brings it. He belongs in there with Cena. And there's so many great near falls. Um, Cena, um, like you said, in 2007, uh, when, when he was there at that time, he never disappointed, and, and he really didn't. Uh, big match John. You know, he brought it in this match, and it's a great moment to see him tie the record. Probably going to be his final world title reign. You know, they could always surprise us, but uh, it feels like they have, if they were going to have him break Flair's record, it would have happened by now. So it feels like this is this was it, him tying the record here. Uh, p- pretty awesome moment, pretty awesome match. It really is. It's uh, it's also my number three. Uh, okay, all right. I had it right there. I think it's uh, I think I think when I watched it initially, I was ah, oh, you know, because I loved AJ Styles' reign, and so I think the first time I watched it, I was just edge on my seat. Please don't take this title off AJ Styles. Like he's having such a great reign. We don't want to go back to Cena. We're moving forward. Um, and then he goes back to Cena, but Cena only has the belt for two weeks on this reign. He's talking about how this is going to be the time is now era. Two weeks later, he loses the belt to Wyatt in the, <laughs> uh, which is almost like I didn't even realize it until I was going back and watching some yeah. of the time from that period, and I'm like, wow, he loses it so quick. Um, but it is—it's a really strong uh, match, and one of the things that I think Travis may have actually said on one of your guys' shows about it is they very barely go out of the ring throughout the entire. Mm. They have yes. a really compelling match without involving tables, without involving the everything else. Uh, it's just straight up like great wrestling back and forth. And uh, I was at the Cena AJ match, the the second one they had, I think, maybe the first at SummerSlam 2016, where Cena hit the AA off the top and AJ kicked out. And that was the first time I think anyone's ever kicked out of that. And when it happened, the crowd just erupted. Uh, so I always thought they had such great matches. Uh, but this one, especially if you then now watch it back later on, I think you even grow a better appreciation for it. Uh, and you're right. I mean, this is it's, it's iconic. It's uh, 16. I thought for sure I went to Las Vegas for it. I thought for sure Cena was going to beat uh, Roman and get 17 at that uh, in 2021. But uh, it ended up not happening. And I, I agree. I don't think I'll ever get another one, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like the time has passed for that. But uh, we'll always have this moment. So many great near falls, reversals, counters. Um, man, it's just, it's a perfect, it's five stars in my opinion. But my next three are, are five stars in my opinion. And you can't, can't convince me otherwise. 
Absolutely. No, this is, uh, it is. It's su su such great stuff. And this, this one here, you have this match, you have the Roman and Kevin Owens match, and then you've got a rumble with like loads of stars. Uh, everyone from Goldberg to Lesnar to Undertaker. Such a great Royal Rumble event. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Very fun. That's that's in the uh, Alamo Dome. So it's a huge, epic crowd, the long entryway. It's great. All right, top two. My number two. We'll see if we continue to match up on this one. Uh, I've got John Cena here again. And I going back a couple years to 2015, another WWE Championship match. This is a triple threat with John Cena, Brock Lesnar, and Seth Rollins. Um, I just, I, I don't think... I think they caught me off guard with this one. I just, I don't know if I was just hyped really. I don't know if I didn't love the storyline or just didn't love the match on paper, but they just blew me away. Everybody came to play. Everybody came to have fun. Um, so much great creativity, near falls and spots, really a coming out party for Seth. You know, he had he'd done the shield obviously. And, you know, he had, joined the authority he was the authority's top guy but this was him really being thrust into the uh with the big boys with with brock yep. and cena here sink or swim and he swam and uh, that's why he's still you know got the belt to this day uh because of this night absolutely it is uh, it is my number two as well so <laughs> fear on these um it is i know you thought maybe i'd go back to 2004 bob holly and brock lesnar but no i <laughs> I went with this match, and it's funny. I watched this one back uh, last night, uh, to the wee hours in the morning. My my son woke me up at two o'clock in the morning. I knew I'd have an hour, so I was like, I gotta watch this match. And I gotta watch my number one. And I gotta make sure I'm getting it right. Uh, and I went with this match. It is one of the most insane nights for WWE. I gotta do a video at some point on the 24-hour period between Royal Rumble 2015 and Raw the next night because. Obviously, that night, Roman wins. Rock comes back to help Roman win. The crowd boos him out of the building. Yeah, yeah. Like, they are just the most angry they've ever been. And the next night, everyone's ready to go to Raw, myself included. Who's going to make the trip to Connecticut to go down, boo Roman out of the building. Oh, no way. Cancel WWE Network is trending on Twitter. And what <laughs> happens the next day? Raw gets snowed out. They do this. They do the show from the, from the network studios or from Stanford, Connecticut. And WWE announces that they've hit 1 million subscribers on the WWE Network. But in the midst of all of that, you have this incredible three-way match. And I completely agree. I think it was one of these deals where it feels like they were just, they added Seth just to give you an extra element between John Cena and Brock. And he completely steals the show. Uh, I think this is the night where they went, oh man, maybe we could actually go with this guy. Yes. And, and maybe that's why they decided to add him to that Mania main event and give him the title. I think so. Absolutely. We talked about that with so many matches on here with guys with something to prove uh, on there and, and wanted to establish themselves. And Seth is the perfect example of that. Um, man, I didn't, I forgot about all of that happening within that 24 hour time period. Um, honestly, maybe that snowstorm was the best thing that ever happened for the Roman Brock feud because of how hated and how heated the crowd was. And you knew they were going to boo Roman out of the building that night. And it was probably a good thing to like give the crowd right, a week's time to like process that and maybe the reaction was a little bit better the next week <laughs> but it's funny because the next day we were like oh we've got to go down to to hartford oh we're gonna go we're gonna boo roman like anyone cares about us and um my my wife my girlfriend at the time she was like well let's just see because uh you know my my job canceled because this huge snowstorm she's like supposed to be a big storm and i was like oh show must go on pal 
they never canceled Raw for anything. And then lo and behold, the one night they cancel Raw and uh, and do these really good backstage type of promos throughout the show. And they yeah. both the triple threat and the Rumble match. And I think that calmed everyone down and went, OK, maybe this isn't going to be so terrible. So that by the time they went and they continued on with programming, it no, no longer was there so much heat on them. Yeah, uh, nothing funnier to me in wrestling than The Rock's confused face when everyone's booing him. That's <laughs> his only moments and one of the funniest moments in pro wrestling history. It's almost like they told him, oh, Rock, people love this. <laughs> They're going to just love it. And Rock comes out, he's like, what is going on? <laughs> he had no idea. <laughs> it is the craziest thing. And really, yeah, so much fun for sure. <laughs> um. Um, real quick, Matt Cardona on his podcast, uh, he told recently told a story about this night. I guess he, he made a return on this night at the 15 Royal Rumble. He'd been out for a while, so he came back in this Rumble and got a great reaction. So he like came back through the curtain. He was like, all right, yes, they're going to do something with me. I know they have to use me on Raw tomorrow. You, you, everyone heard that crowd. Everyone heard that pop. And then, of course, a snowstorm happened. And oh. <laughs> Whatever momentum he had is, is, you know, thrown out the window. It's not seen on Raw again. Oh, I think he, so he's in the Rumble? He's in the Rumble, yeah. Oh, yeah. very cool. That's also, they had Bubba Ray return at that Rumble. So that Rumble was, like, on the right track. Yeah, yeah. They stupidly said, that, they brought Daniel Bryan back, and then they had him, like, unceremoniously dumped in the middle of the match. And that's where uh, Big Show and Kane are just dumping everybody. And, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's just brutal. It was so bad. And then it comes down to like Rusev and Roman. Yeah. And I cheered for Rusev. Cheered for Rusev. <laughs> it was Rusev Day. You're right. Everybody was into just anyone but Roman at that point. Uh, all right. Do you want to do honorable mentions first? Or do you want to just go to go ahead and go to number one? No, I'll do, I'll do some honorable mentions. I think that's uh, I think that's de- definitely good. You know, I had mentioned <clears throat> a few of them. I think for me, a lot of them were the ones I grew up with. You know, I always, uh, Rockers versus Orient Express at where Yes. Fun. Such a good match. And I thought for sure, when we first came up with this idea, I thought that was definitely going to be on my countdown. And then it just, by the time I got there, when I went back, I was like, it's good. But is it as good as some of these other matches from 20 years later? No. But who's to say it is going to be as good as those matches from 20 years later? Um, so, you know, that one, I think... Uh, did you want to say one that that you uh, that you thought of? I, that's a great pick. Uh, I, I had it on my short list for sure. Um, th- let me throw you all the way back to 1988 to the very first Royal oh. Rumble card. I watched this back too. Uh, Jumping Bomb Angels versus the Glamour Girls for the Women's WWF Tag oh. Team Championship. It uh, it doesn't hold up in the top ten, but for 1988 these women went out and like killed it like the jumping bomb angels these two japanese women's wrestlers i don't even know their name the vince and jesse don't know their names either <laughs> it's like a running joke oh, between the two of them yeah. they're the champions and they don't know their names uh but they're hitting like german suplexes moonsaults drop kicks off the top row it's a really cool match um yeah, it doesn't hold up against like oscar and becky but uh for the time I, I, people should check that out that is, yeah, that, that is a good shout. I, I, I've heard some, I remember when I first got, because I got the Rumble Anthology. Mm. Remember they had the big box set? And oh, yeah. Like, yeah, for Ever sure. Rumble 88. Uh, you couldn't really see it anywhere. It wasn't around. I didn't even know there was a Rumble 88 that existed. 
Uh, so remember, that was the first one I watched, and that, that is a really good match. Uh, that's, that's a good call. Uh, I think uh, Rumble 93, I, uh, Shawn Michaels yes. versus Addy is a really yeah. good match, as well as Bret Hart versus Razor Ramon. They got a couple of good ones on there. Um, you know, I think the 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 Janetti and Michaels match in particular really shows what it could have been uh, for those two guys. It's a shame that Marty just, you know, couldn't make it work out because I think that both of them could have been big-time players in WWE uh, had Marty allowed it to be, if that makes sense. Yep. I, I had Brett Razor as a possibility for me. Um, I want to mention uh, another match from 2002 that you mentioned, the world title match. How about a match between two former Royal Rumble winners, two former WWE champions, I'm talking, of course, about Vince McMahon versus Ric Flair oh. in a street fight. Um, really fun match. Really fun storytelling between those guys. Uh, some great spots and moments in there. I always really like that match. That is a great one. And it's uh, he, he, he actually, um, they fight right in front of Flair's family. I'm pretty yeah. sure Charlotte's there. Megan's there. Uh, and Reed is there. Yeah. Uh, Reed, I think, might be there. Yep. And they even do like they take pictures of Vince McMahon and they show him on the Titan Tron a little while later. Yeah. Uh, O2 is really a great, uh, I think it's a fantastic show as well. I agree. It's underrated. Um, for me, I also threw in a, uh, I, I always like the main event of Royal Rumble 1997. Uh, yes. The Shawn Michaels flu game. Uh, Shawn Michaels against Sid. That's a fantastic match and a nice story, a nice uh, storybook ending to their match uh, from Survivor Series 96 which usually gets a lot of the love because the crowd turns on HBK. But I like the crowd then come back to him at Royal Rumble as well. Great crowd reaction there. That one was right on the verge. If I had, if I had a top 11, that was probably going to be on there for me, just for the crowd alone. And do you, th- do you think it was a shoot? Do you think he really had the flu? Or was that just like sympathy? <laughs> you never know with him. I don't uh, know. But I, I mean, he always says that he had the flu. Like He, he has said that. Yeah, but you're right. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one to uh, kind of navigate through. Yeah. Yeah. But he might have. I mean, you know, we'll take him at his word, I guess. But uh, it, it, it is, a, I think it's a solid match, though. And uh, that actually ends the show, doesn't it? Doesn't it go on last? Yeah. I think it's the first time the Rumble doesn't go on last. Yeah, if it's not the first, it's one of the first. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe 96. But uh, that's true. Yeah, Brett and Taker goes on last that night because. Uh, uh, Diesel gets eliminated from the Rumble last by Sean, and then Sean or Diesel and Undertaker brush past each other in the entryway. Right. Come in the ring, and then Diesel interferes in that match, which is why that match did not make my list because of the screwy finish. Brett and Undertaker, really solid match, especially for the time period. But uh, it's like 30 minutes of awesomeness, and then Diesel runs in for a DQ. And it's like, dang it. Well, <laughs> give me a finish. On my list that I took off the list was the main event of uh, Royal Rumble '95, mm-hmm. Brett versus Diesel, where you have Sean run in and Earl Hebner's like, "No, no, 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 we're gonna keep the match going." I don't know who made Earl Hebner the authority <laughs> figure this night, but he lets the match continue. It's a great match, and it's a really nicely done match in terms of how to book a strong babyface versus a strong babyface. Both guys look great in the match. Diesel is one of Diesel's first like really strong matches as champion. Maybe he's only one. Uh, then, um, <laughs> Maybe yeah, his match with Sean at Mania 11 is okay. It's pretty uh, good. And, but then Owen comes in, and again Earl's like, "No, no, no, we're gonna let it continue." And then everybody comes in, and Earl's finally like, "No, we gotta call it off." And I'm like, "What are you doing? Why would you do? Like, it makes no sense." No. So uh, 
<laughs> yeah, Brett Diesel had great chemistry. I mean, yeah. They always brought it out of each other. So, yeah, I had that one, too. All right. You want to talk about it? Talk about number one? Number one, sure. Yep, I'll mention it here. Uh, number one for me, Royal Rumble 2000. Uh, it is going to be Cactus Jack versus Triple H in the street fight. Uh, it's a match that uh, I, I went back and watched it again. It's brutal. Uh, you know, it's one of these things where you watch, the, you hear about all this horror stories from WrestleMania 1999, I mean, Royal Rumble 99. And then you watch Royal Rumble 2000. It's like Mick didn't let up at all after that match. Like he's in there getting creamed. Um, but it's such a good match. I think Mick's in the best shape of his life. Uh, they're going at it. And I really think that this performance and then the performance they put on at the next month at No Way Out is what got Mick Foley uh, of WrestleMania main event and well-deserved. Uh, it's it's such a good match. And I really give them a lot of credit for, you know, really going out there. And, uh, you know, there's even this one part during, I think Stephanie's like brand new into her role as a heel. Only been a heel now for a month. And she has some facial expressions that are just perfect. Like, she comes out there, she looks absolutely horrified. Probably because she was absolutely horrified. Um, there's also this spot where they move these wooden pallets. And Hunter falls. He flips them out. He does, like, back body drop. Hunter's leg gets cut on one of them. And it's like, how, if they had that plan, did they not make sure the wooden pallets weren't, like, in pristine condition? You even see it when Mick's moving the stuff. It looks like flimsy, crabby, like, yeah. you know, splintering off wooden things. And that looks like a scare. Even Hunter looks at it for a second like, damn. Um, it's really good. It's it, it holds up to this day. It's such a good match. And uh, it's one of these things where Hunter had established the pedigree as such an important move at this stage that when he goes up and hits the pedigree, uh, he then is able to then kind of like looks over at Mick and goes for the cover. Mick kicks out and the crowd is like, whoa, nobody kicks out of the pedigree. Uh, and for a brief period, there's like a holy, holy, and then Mick gets another pedigree, crazy son of a gun, face first into the thumbtacks, and that's a, a perfect ending to the match. But I thought it was, uh, it's it's amazing, and uh, still, in my opinion, the best match at Rumble history. Well, I actually went a little bit differently. I went with Greg the Hammer Valentine and Rugged Ronnie Garvin from Royal Rumble 1990. You know, the Hammer Jammer storyline just sold me so well. Uh, no, of course. Are you thinking the faces at him and <laughs> yeah. uh, No, of course. Triple H, Cactus Jack, to Royal Rumble 2000. It's the number one. Um, you could make a case for any of our top three. I wouldn't argue with you if someone told me one of those other three were their number one. But yeah, just again, going back to the storytelling, you got the amazing promo a couple of weeks before this where you know cactus mankind is taking off this shirt and his tie and reveals the cactus jack shirt and triple h just sells it like uh the biggest you know shock in the world to him that just triple h's selling of that t-shirt is what made this match be what it could be and made people believe in cactus jack um so brilliantly done. Cactus Jack makes Triple H a star here. You know, we forget that, you know, Triple H, he just, they'd given him the world title already, but he just didn't feel like he was getting over that hump to really be the established main eventer. Well, Cactus Jack lifts him up and carries him over that hump on this night, um, you know, makes him into the game, into the cerebral assassin on this night. Just a brutal match um, for the time, for any time with the barbed wire and the tax and, and all that stuff. It's uh, it's fantastic. It holds up to this day. You could put it on pay-per-view to this day and it would still um, be a great match. There's even that moment where Mick is like, come on, you coward. 
hit me with the chair. He's got his arms, you know, he's in the handcuffs and he's literally got tears coming out of his hand. And you're like, isn't there someone back there who gives a crap and who comes out to help him? But his old buddy, the rock comes yeah. out, levels Hunter with the chair. And it's like, thank God. And, and then they end up continuing the match. But, uh, I was, I was laughing because you're right. Like, can you imagine if Mick takes off the shirt and Hunter, and Hunter instead responds like he did when Goldust had Tourette's? He <laughs> just, like, it burst out laughing. It would kill the whole thing. Like, if he was like, you're the same dude. Are you kidding me? Like, that would just be it. But instead, it was like he knew, oh, man, business is about to pick up. It's on now. Yep, absolutely. And I, I love that you mentioned the handcuffs, you know, playing into the, it was just a year before that, the 99 Rumble. Yeah. yeah so playing into that history, that was a really smart uh, uh, move in there. A really great way to garner some more sympathy and some more heat in that match. Uh, it's an all-timer, all-time classic, one of the best WWE matches of all time. Yeah, no, it's it's great. And again, it kind of harkens back to that. Like to me, that's that, even though it's not my super childhood, it's like when my, my pre-teeny type stage, I think it's like, I think back to that. I think back to Hardy's Dudley's. I think back to a couple different pieces of uh, like Jericho and Benoit in the latter matches. Like those matches were such a big part of myself growing up and being at WWF New York and seeing those matches time and time again. Like it just like, it felt like it was sort of a vibe in a way. And so uh, definitely uh, it gets me excited even thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, so yeah, we're at top three. Uh, we're all the same. And then we had two other ones that were the same in there, right? We had well, Cena we, and Umaga, and then we had Hardys and Dudleys. We both had those. So we had five similar in the top three, all the same. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. I, uh, it's interesting. I, we do have some feedback I'll get into as well. Just a couple of pieces here. Uh, good brother, Adam Toby, from right here in Queens, New York. Uh, which Adam uh, asked me to do the Mick Foley uh, thing. And I told him if my bell's palsy, I'll do the best I could to give him a big <laughs> smile. You got uh, it. He had mentioned that his favorite Royal Rumble match of all time is the Royal Rumble 2011 uh, Edge versus Dolph Ziggler uh, for the world title. Uh, he, Adam and I went to this show together with um, our friend James uh, in Boston. And uh, he said that this is the match that he felt was one of the last good defining moments of Edge's initial run. Uh, for his match with Dolph, and that's why he loves it and thinks it stands up to this uh, date. Uh, also like the use of the spear. Personally, I liked the use of the spear because I thought, oh man, I wonder if this means they'll take the belt off Edge and give it to Dolph, thinking like they wouldn't do that. And they actually did do that. They did. A way green Dolph Ziggler, but it was like, that's what they should have done. It made sense. Yeah. Um, and my buddy uh steve uh, kind of harkened to what we said first thing he thinks about when he thinks about non-rumble matches is rumble 2000 both the tables match between the hardys and dudleys and uh the match between cactus jack and triple h um and uh i did tell my friend james as well he said uh, if you were going to call toby good brother toby he'd have to be referred to as better brother james <laughs> uh, his favorite non-rumble match when i asked him was he didn't actually remember. He didn't know there were any other matches on the Rumble pay-per-views other than the Rumbles. Uh, and his point is Come on. he feels like there's been some good ones, but he thinks a lot of the times uh, those matches are uh, the matches are either non-finishes or the champion retains because they're getting ready for the Royal Rumble. Um, but he and I did make the trip down to Atlanta and I did mention the Piggy James, uh, Mickey oh. James versus uh, Michelle McCool, how horrible uh, that match was. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, we, we could do a bottom 10 list. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we could, I could pick some. Biggie James yeah. was pretty, 
pretty brutal. Like, they suddenly decided Mickey James was overweight. It made absolutely no sense whatsoever. A brutal. Uh, well, I asked my uh, Talking Taker co-host, Travis, for his. <clears throat> he said off the top of his head, Dudley Boys, Hardy Boys from 2000, Cactus Jack, Triple H from 2000, Benoit Angle from uh, 2003, Edge Ziggler from 2011, so he oh. liked that one as well. Diesel Brett from 95, Jericho Benoit ladder match, and then uh, Cena Umaga last man standing match. So, uh, yeah, we had all of those on our lists at some point, except for Edge Ziggler, which was, you know, top that that would be in my top 15. I think yeah. uh, I watched it back. Didn't quite get over the hump for me, but it's really good for sure. Well, I did not realize there was any sort of follow up with Kelly Kelly. I've got to go and watch 2011 WWE now to see this because when she came out, it took me out of it. I was like, why is Kelly Kelly out there? Like, yeah, <coughs> she had like, a feud going with Vicky and and Dolph and all that. There you go. Uh, but it's uh, it's interesting that I thought for sure the Hardys and Dudleys was going to be like this completely out, out outside the box choice. And everybody loves it. So. I think I think it's pretty established. I think people love that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's very good. And uh, and this was great. Uh, you know, certainly uh, thank you for for coming on and chatting it up and uh I know we have some other uh, some other fun ideas in the in the line, in the uh, kind of in the pipeline, so to speak. I know hopefully we'll be able to connect with uh, with uh, our friend Randy and have him come on and maybe do uh, look back at the uh, WrestleMania 23, I guess it was 2007. Yeah, Detroit. Yeah, yeah. And then you uh, were at Backlash 2007. Yeah, yeah. We'll double up on that. Continue that uh, because we also on this channel have done SummerSlam 07, which I was at. Uh, so we continue our look back at uh, quite the year at WWE there. Yeah, I'd be happy to do it. Backlash 07 was a fun one. We'll get Travis on here and, and we'll share our memories being there live. Um, underrated pay-per-view, I think. Uh, people was- sleep on that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great, I mean, you have a four-way match there that's incredible in the main event. And then you also have a last man standing uh, between Undertaker and Batista. So that's a really good pay-per-view as well. And you have Vince and Shane versus Bobby Lashley in a handicap match. So wow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so that. That's good. Uh, but no, this was this was great. You know, I, I appreciate that the Royal Rumble is always willing to try some things a little outside the box. I always feel like it's a good uh, a good chance for some folks, whether it's, you know, Jeff Hardy getting his first title match or any things that even don't work out, like Bob Holly getting a title match. It's always fun at the Rumble to kind of see these things. And this was a good uh, this is a good idea for me because I think like to my my buddy James's point, sometimes you're sitting there at the Rumble, you watch these matches, and you're just like, let's get to the Rumble, let's get to the Rumble, and you don't further really appreciate the matches that uh, you know as they're taking place. So uh, thanks for joining, Alex. And if no one's done it, Alex and I both have a vlog up on our YouTube channels. Uh, Alex has one up on the Talking Taker channel of the entire SummerSlam weekend uh, that we had uh, together, and I have it spread out over several days because uh, that's how I roll. I'm a more is more guy. Um, so I have uh, each one of the days up there. So highly, uh, you know, encourage everyone to go check those out when you get a chance. Different stuff in both of them. So you get the full experience there of that, that whole week. A lot of fun, a lot of stuff outside of just wrestling in there. Uh, really enjoyed, uh, filming those. And I mean, enjoyed the whole trip. Uh, we'll have to try to do it again sometime. Um, one last question. Do you, do you think anything on the 2024 Royal Rumble has a chance to crack into the top 10? for you uh for this for the non-rumble matches yeah yeah mm, i don't know i don't know why i'm not feeling the four-way so much uh i feel like uh i feel like it, and not i think if you've gotten to a point with roman where it's just it, how is he really gonna lose the belt you know 
And so I think that to me, I don't know if he's going to lose the belt anytime soon. It'd be great if he did. Like if he just came out lost, it'd be fantastic. Uh, but I just don't think it's going to. Uh, I think right now the only other thing announced is KO and uh, Logan, which should be great. But I know KO is kind of working through an injury. Uh, how about you? Uh, yeah, not on paper. I don't think they will, but you know, that fatal four way could surprise us. You know, we just said we didn't have the highest hopes for that set, the Brock and Cena match and it's our number two. So who knows? Maybe, uh, LA Knight will just have the the performance of his career in the ring and, you know, have a five-star match. Who knows? Who who do you, do you have a Royal Rumble winners uh, for the next couple of them that are coming up? Yeah, I don't, I was actually thinking about that because I feel like it's, I don't know. I feel like it's wide open because like, are they going to go with Cody again? Uh, do, do, will they give us a two time winner that we haven't seen yeah. uh, since the days of Stone Cold Steve Austin? Would they do that with Cody? Uh, are they going to go with somebody that will face Seth? And I don't know who's going to face Seth at WrestleMania. Um, <laughs> is Jinder Mahal going to come out of nowhere and win the Royal <laughs> Rumble? They, they, just, they just go with the hot hand here and just say, screw it. And after month and month of me hoping that they finally someone a chance they give it to gender of all people oh god you would we would hear you screaming all the way from new york and, uh sure. and i to be honest i don't really I, I haven't been following enough i don't know what's going on with the women's division so i really don't know who's in the running for that one but uh yeah i, I don't know i've i personally as someone who doesn't pay attention too much i really don't have a read on who's going to win either of them i'm thinking for the men it's it, i think it's going to be punk um i do think there's an outside uh, yeah True. Yeah, I, I think it could be Punk. I think it could be an outside chance The Rock comes in there and wins it, uh, and and that's when he comes back. He's number thirty, and you know that's how they get to Roman versus Rock. Um, for the woman, I am completely. I think the Charlotte injury kind of threw everything for a loop. Uh, she's out for the next nine months, and so I think uh, I think it's wide open there. I could actually see them giving it to uh, Jade Cargill on a debut. Her winning Ooh, from wow. AEW, someone completely like out of left field there. Um, I don't think she's ready for that, but I, I don't know. I mean, it could be. Yeah, they were treating her like a star there for a while and then, you know, haven't done anything. So maybe they stopped showing her to give her that big surprise. But uh, I don't know why Punk totally slipped my mind. That seems like the other obvious choice there to win. I think it's. I think I think it could be Punk. It's it's Punk or Cody, I think, is probably the way you go. Uh, and personally, I love to see Gunther uh, win it, too. Got it came to the final two last year, came in there. We, we watched the Rumble Live. Yeah, no, for sure. I'll definitely watch it. Yeah, it's. I yeah. think it's the one event that even the the last fan, so to speak, of the everyday product. Got to watch Rumble. Got to watch Mania. No doubt. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Alex, uh, what do you? Do you guys have anything uh, coming up that you want to promote here on your next edition of Talking Taker? Sure. I uh, just want to encourage everybody, if you're uh, listening to this or watching this on the Watch Along Wrestling channel, to go over there and subscribe to the Talking Taker YouTube channel as well. Follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Uh, follow us on social media at Talking Taker as well. Um, we will have our February episode out. We got new episodes at least once a month. Uh, we always have one episode a month. Sometimes we throw in some bonus episodes in there, but you can count on a new episode on the first of every month. February, uh, we're going to be going back to these, to some Coliseum home videos, uh, some Coliseum classics of The Undertaker. Uh, they are available on Peacock, the home video classic section. Uh, you can check our social media. We'll, I'll throw the list out of the, I think we've got seven of those matches that we're 
we're going to watch and talk about on the latest Talking Taker, featuring the Undertaker against you know the likes of the Berserker and the Mountie and Sid Justice ah. and uh, some deep cuts and a really cool tag team match between the Undertaker and Jake the Snake versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Macho Man. So a very <laughs> rare Undertaker Macho Man in ring uh, encounter. Very cool. Very cool. Always fun uh, listening to your guys' shows. Uh, had some time here and uh, being on fraternity leave. And uh, I have been able to actually do a couple of the watch-alongs that you guys have done. And those are <laughs> always a lot of fun. I'm a watch-along guy, obviously. So uh, Of course. Be cool. So, uh, But thanks again, Alex, for joining us. And Thank uh, you. My pleasure. See you soon. Absolutely.